Welcome to the D&D Roundtable, your premier source for D&D news. We cover everything D&D from Wizards of the Coast. We cover updates from the convention circuit. We cover new and exciting products, casts and streams, and events for D&D. We cover happenings in organized play. If it's D&D related, we cover it here. Industrious Ferret is by Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hey, we'd really appreciate it if you dropped us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. Welcome to the D&D Roundtable. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking to a pretty cool person, a good friend of both Paige and I, uh, Rich Lecouf. You know, Rich, I always manage to fuck it up. Um, I've got like three different ways I say it in my head, so you can tell everyone how to say it in a second. And we're going to be talking to him about uh, a variety of things. But um, before we let Rich tell you how to actually pronounce his name, we're going to start with our get to know you question. Uh, today, it's going to be, what was the first RPG product that you worked on? So, Rich, why don't you kick it off? It's Rich Lescoflair, by the way. I'll just lead in with that. <laughs> the, uh, the first RPG product that I worked on uh, <laughs> is this, like, officially for pay or just in general? <laughs> You, whatever you Ooh, know the the for pay <laughs> the for pay thing is a critical critical delineator right there yeah. let's say for pay the first the first thing you actually got paid real money to actually work on for an rpg not necessarily significant money but real money okay so like you know dm's guild for example okay yeah yeah, yeah. all right so the first rpg product that i worked on uh, that sold something uh, was actually called Heroes of the Sundered Realms. When uh, when when DMs Guild started, uh, everybody you know was kind of like, "Ooh, I'm gonna write for this. I'm gonna write for that. I'm gonna write for this." And I uh, opened up the uh, I kind of went the other direction. I opened up the Forgotten Realms Atlas and sort of looked at the map and I said, "Hey, there's a whole bunch of stuff here that no one's ever written about." So I sent an uh, email to Matt McElroy and I said, "Hey." Um, can we just write anywhere on the planet? And he's like, anything in Forgotten Realms is open. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just going to take this continent and build some stuff on it. And that's that was my first DMs Guild product <laughs> that I did that I'm actually um, planning on bringing back and expanding, uh, which uh, I actually, uh, I believe Jenny knows about already. I do. I did not know that was your first product that you put on the Guild, but uh, I'm excited for the, the revival and hopefully you get to work on that a little bit with you. Maybe. I don't know. I've made a lot of promises to work on stuff with you. <laughs> Let's not overcommit. <laughs> Paige, what was the first thing that you worked on for monies? For actual real money, uh, I wrote an adventure for fourth edition called Jungle Hunt for the Living Forgotten Realms uh, campaign. And I think I got paid money for it, but I don't recall it being much. I worked on some stuff for 3.5 for both Blackmore and Greyhawk, but it was all volunteer. 
My answer is kind of complicated depending on how we want to delineate it. I technically, the first thing I worked on that went on the guild was the Elmwood series, but I didn't have a writing credit on that. We all just kind of did as much work as we could because it was a labor it, of love. It was a hell of a barn raising is what it was. We, we didn't raise a barn. We raised a whole damn town. Uh, but so fair, the, the first thing I worked on then um, that got published would have been um, my CCC that I did, um, Skull Trilogy, Murder Most Foul. wasn't the first thing that actually ended up being published with my name on it. That was a compilation that I did with Jeff Stevens, but I, I've just done things all out of order, obviously, here. But, so, yeah. You've always been a, when they give you line to paper, write the other way kind of person. Well, it's more like when they give me line paper, I'm like, can I just have the drawing notebook? Because <laughs> I just want to <laughs> write around the edges and then spiral in, thanks. <laughs> like House of Leaves. So, Rich Les Couflaire. Who are you? What do you do for a living? And how are you connected to the RPG industry? Let's introduce our guests to who you are. Okay. Uh, cool. Hi, everybody. I am Rich Luskaflair. I am a... Let's see. Um, who am I and what do I do for a living? I am a game designer, uh, graphic designer, web designer. I, I, I freelance uh, on all of those things. Uh, I have a, a very small uh, one-man or one-person one studio uh, uh, called Castle Sky on Design, and I am a managing partner of Alligator Alley Entertainment, which uh, is also an RPG publisher. Uh, I am, let's, let's, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm also a uh, avid uh, DMs Guild writer and developer. Uh, I do uh, layout work for and writing work for D&D Adventures League, and I am one of the uh, Dungeon Masters Guild Adepts, of which I share uh, and uh, and work with uh, with Ginny quite often. So, is this a full time job for you, or do you also have a day job? I had a day job. Uh, I actually um, got laid off from said day job uh, last year due to uh, <laughs> due to company budget, and I decided. I said, "Hey, let me just try this uh, going full freelance for a while and see how it works out." And it's I been, guess if you're still doing it, it's working out all right. It's been interesting. Uh, it's I've had a lot more time to work on on uh on projects that i'm doing with alligator entertainment we had uh, the the forbidden library come out recently and uh and i've been able to pool all of my time that i uh into espergenesis that i unfortunately lost due to a lot of uh, personal events and issues that had come up so uh the pay you know <laughs> it's it's not quite the same as having a day job. It's, it's a, it's a lot of balancing. It's um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of, of time and investment and basically pushing to get back to uh, where you're supposed to be. It's, 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 it's always a, a small start, but it's getting a lot better over the past year. 
I would definitely say, though, by like a lot of measures that you, you have definitely been successful. I mean, the pay, you'll get there. <laughs> I have to believe that as a creator. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I like my I like my cushy day job, but uh, but I, I admire anyone who's got the bravery to go out and do this full time. And it's really interesting talking to so many people who have approached the same problem. How do I game for a living or interact with games for a living and, and still make a living? And everyone has a different path uh, to get there. Oh, I'm, I definitely surprised my wife. You know, she, uh, <laughs> we were looking yeah. at our, yeah, we were looking at our, our, our income and our budget and all that stuff. And she, she looks and she says, Hey, you make how much? That's pretty good. <laughs> it, it's good. You know what? That you should take all the positive reinforcement you can get. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was doing okay when I was unemployed. I mean, because I'm technically still doing those projects. Just started my new day job today, temporary. But uh, it's possible to pay the bills. Fortunately, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so one of the things that you mentioned there that you do is uh, graphic design, which I think is what layout is kind of considered under, at least what I would consider an under. How did you, how did you get started on that? Uh, and, and actually before you go, I, I want to point out to our listeners, layout is one of those things that is invisible to the average person until it's awful and then you can't see anything but the awful layout and layout is one of the critically in my mind overlooked and underexplored areas of the gaming industry so it's really fascinating to have someone here who's really good at it so go get them rich <laughs> thanks uh well layout is yeah it's a part it's it's a part of graphic design uh, uh definitely in, in in the terms of rpg uh, it is effectively supposed to be the the um, it, it's it's what makes an RPG look uh, look cool as soon as you open the book, regardless of what the words are. Obviously, you know what's written inside is the most important thing, but uh, when you know the ease of reference for information and the the way the way that the art is put together and the flow of of everything, a lot of that is is you know just as important uh, when you're when you're looking through any book, any reference book, inc including an RPG book. But at the same time, it's supposed to be that sort of unsung hero. It's 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 there, but it needs to be in the background, and it's supposed to give you the feel of the game without overbearing. You know, it, with, without uh, you know uh, making like you know, uh, I guess I guess being so glaring that it's all you can pay attention to aside from what's being uh, written there. Uh, I started, let me see, when I was putting together D&D Adventures just for fun, uh, I used to like uh, writing them out, you know, just so I could, you know, show my players or share them with other uh, dungeon masters that wanted to test them out or run them. And when 5e came out and I was like getting really back into D&D, uh, I, I really just love the look of of how you know of how the books were in comparison to some of the older editions, and uh, I wanted to make my 
uh, I wanted to make my stuff look pretty much, you know, like the 5e stuff. So I opened up Word and I learned a whole bunch of weird tricks and I put together one of my adventures and made it look almost, you know, identical to a 5e book. And that's was, pretty impressive because yeah. Word is a dog for yeah. a lot of uh, graphic stuff. There's a, a meme going on on the internet somewhere about, you know, I moved a picture uh, three pixels to the right in Word. I got two <laughs> new pages, lost two sections, and in the distance, sirens. Yeah. And that, that is really true for anyone who's ever tried to do graphical stuff in Word. Somehow also auctioned off your first one child. I mean, probably, probably. You move a picture in Word, that's about what happens. And yeah, that sends it to Microsoft and you owe them a kit. That's I, I, I just, it, <laughs> I, I use Word a lot and sometimes, yeah, we have a tumultuous relationship. Yeah, I, I, I got rid of it as soon as I could. I, I when, when it was all I had, uh, that's, that's what I put together. It took me a very long time. And uh, my friend, uh, Brian Dalrymple, uh, he was, uh, well, at, at the time, he's been secretary of, uh, of Gamma for the past 20 years. He knows a lot of, uh, you know, RPG developers. And I, I only knew him for a couple of months. And I was running a game in his shop. And he took a look and he said, where did you get that book? And, and, uh, and I said, I wrote it. And he's like, well, who did that? And then, you know, I, I, I said, I did. Uh, you know, I, 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 put it to, I put it together in Word. And he looked at me and he's like, you put that together in Word? <laughs> it's said, it's yeah. really impressive. Yeah, so he, he, said, he said, can you send that to me? So he, I sent it to him, and he had sent it to a whole bunch of other, uh, you know, like some of, the, some of the developers that he knew, and they were like, well, you should give this guy some work. <laughs> so he started introducing me to a whole bunch of people. And uh, he also started me on the basics of InDesign, and I just took it from there. So, so InDesign is Adobe InDesign, right? Yes. I know for many Adobe products, there's a web, there's a knockoff of it that works pretty good. Like for Photoshop, there's GIMP for Illustrator, there's... Um, uh, ink, ink, ink something. It has a thing that looks like a mountain. Ink splash, ink splash, something like that. Uh, uh, something, yeah, there, there was um, there is was there, something I saw it, recently. Is there a knockoff of, of InDesign? Not exactly. Um, there is, uh, what was it called? I'm looking at a list right now because I needed to Google that. And it recommends. I haven't it's, heard of many of it's these. Like, yeah. it's, it's called like e, e, um, Eternity or Affinity. Affinity Publisher. Is Zara. it Affinity? Affinity? Yeah. Okay. And then there's Zara Page and Layout, Cork, Express, Scribus, Swift Publisher, and Lucid Press. I've heard of a few of those, so that's promising for them. Yeah, Affinity. I, I heard was the closest to, to InDesign, but it's it's not quite. It's not quite the same. I mean, uh, nothing really quite captures the usage and functionality of most of the adobe products unfortunately for us who have a budget of zero dollars <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i kind of i foot the i foot the bill for it because it's 
you know, it's, it's necessary for work. Like it's, it's, you know, it's unavoidable. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I want to do this the right way. I want to actually uh, get more people to hire me than I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to foot the bill for, for stuff like InDesign and Photoshop. And uh, yeah, no, I, absolutely. You have to for work. Now, it's a t- subscription service though, right? It's yep. so much a month. Yeah, it's it's for for Creative Cloud, uh, it's uh, like fifty dollars a month. And for Creative Cloud, if you have a valid uh, educational institute email, you can get it with a student discount. Oh, so maybe you need to be a student. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, take one class for a semester—that's less than fifty dollars a month, right? That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. Just you know. So, so I, I don't don't uh, you know. I, I honestly uh, this this year I I had actually uh, changed. I, it got it got discounted for me to about thirty a month um, because I threatened to cancel on them, <laughs> and they offered it to me for thirty a month, and I took it. So oh, so know, it's, how... it's like cable TV. It works yeah. like Comcast, apparently. Yep, exactly. It works exactly. It works like Comcast. So, so there you were, uh, your work had been shown around and someone says, Hey, give this guy some work. And you got yourself a copy of InDesign and, and then what happened? Uh, and then I had started to, to put things together. Well, I, I, I sat with my friend Brian who was uh, teaching me the basics. And at the time, uh, we were putting together, um, he decided that he would put together one of my adventures, uh, which was called the uh, curse of the demon stone. And so uh, he figured, which, you know, correctly. So that if he put it together in front of me, then I would just kind of pick up on everything that he was doing. So we, uh, we had put that together and then I went home and, you know, I, I opened up the file that he worked on and, and, and broke it down. And I learned a whole bunch of things myself and, uh, after that, um, actually, not long after that is is when I got uh, uh, asked to join the the Guild Depths, and apparently there were ten of us, and the only person that knew how to do any layout was me. <laughs> the only person who admitted to knowing how to do layout was you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> It, which makes you extremely popular all of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden it was it was oh okay you know this project's done it's going to rich okay this project's done it's going to rich this project's done it's going to rich I, you know what I, I was happy to do it because I if if I if I look at uh, what was our first uh, thing it was like encounters encounters in Port Manzaro I think or you know something yeah I think that was the first one that came out that I did I, I looked at that. Uh, like a couple of months ago, I looked at that thing and I went through it and I was like, what the hell was I doing back then? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, isn't that always the way though, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, for, for all the, the years that I've been doing layout for, you know, for Gilded Depths and, and, you know, I ended up picking up uh, more doing uh, for everything else. And then, you know, Chris saw what I was doing with that and he asked me to do. Chris Lindsay. More. Yes, Chris Lindsay. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> And he uh, he asked me to do layout for uh, D and D Adventures League, starting with um, starting with uh, Dragon Heist. So, um, so so what other kind of products do you do layout on? Uh, I do layout on uh, well, mostly right now it's it's uh, it's AL 
and and whatever we put out for Gilded Depths. Uh, I also do uh, some of the layout, uh, although Brian Brian actually does most of that. Uh, I, I do like a lot of the preliminary works, and, and he puts it together for uh, the Esper Genesis game. Uh, other than that, uh, I actually haven't. I have done uh, layout work for some, uh, a couple of a uh, couple of adventures for uh, the Expanse, but not official ones. And uh, let's see, I, I did I did one uh, Numenera. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I wasn't sure exactly how that came out. The person didn't really say anything to me. They just seemed to be okay with it. So I was like, oh, I guess I did a good job with it. <laughs> and, uh, but that's, that's it so far. Uh, most, mostly it's 5e stuff. Do we have... Oh, go ahead, Jenny. You stay relatively busy between the Adventures League work and the Gilded App stuff, though. We tend to churn out product fairly regularly. I don't actually know how long it takes you to do one of these. How, what, what's, what's the average turnaround on, say, like um, an Adventures League module, which is like, what, 20 pages page? Um, it's 20 if the evil queen of all handouts didn't write it. What's the average <laughs> Adventures League mod not written by Paige and Ben? 20 ish? There are some, like, you know, pa- yeah, Paige and Ben. See, I, I've, I've gotten to the point where I, if I get an Adventures League mod, I can look at the. Uh, I can look at the designer and go, oh, okay, I know what kind of job this is going to be. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I can, I can, I can see, uh, like, you know, certain, certain, certain authors. It really depends on on what's in the uh, what's in the adventure itself. So it could be twenty pages long, but if five pages of it is sidebars, and you know, and like another ten pages is stat blocks, it's going to double the amount of time for me to do that adventure versus. Uh, versus regular text, um, but on average, I'd say you know uh, juggling around everything else, it usually takes me about a week. Um, but uh, I, I guess I guess putting it in hourly, maybe about uh, ten to twelve hours. I mean, that's still a decent like you know chunk of time to commit to something. So, it's, yeah, I mean, it's the better part of two days of work. Yeah, and that really kind of goes to show like how much work goes in behind the scenes to make these products the quality that people are expecting. Yeah. And well, that's, that's also with, you know, the fact that I already have a, uh, a template that I put together for specifically 5e or for AL or for, you know, if, if you don't have that, if you're building that from scratch, then you're adding on another day's work. Yeah, it's got to be such a godsend to you that there's a standard um, Adventures League template and a standard 5e template, which I think they're actually the same now, though. Uh, there, there is, but the, the template, I'm not referring to the word template. Um, so the, the general rule is that no matter how well everybody, you know, follow, it, it is a lot easier if they do um, use the styles in Word, but importing Word into InDesign is is sketchy at best. <laughs> you have to, uh, when it goes in, you have to go back and like check everything and redo everything and all the text and all the headers are different. And you know, it, it, that's, that's like the, the first few hours of, of front loading is just fixing text before you even get to, to anything else. So what can authors do to make layout easier? Uh, well, if there is a template, 
uh, you know, especially if you're if you're writing something, you know, official or you're using the 5e template uh, that you get from Watsi, use all of the styles. Um, learn every, the styles. Every, learn every, what styles mean. Learn what styles mean. Yeah, those 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 little those those boxes on the top of the screen on the on the home tab. You have to use those when you do anything to your text. If you're bolding, italics, putting in a header or whatever, all of those have to be done with styles. If you go and you bold something on your own and you and know you've done it wrong. Then you've done it wrong, exactly. If you um, if you touch any of the formatting things, buttons, you've done it wrong. You should only yep. be touching the style buttons. Yep, exactly. Any of the formatting stuff, bold, italic, underline, nope. <laughs> Font size. Font size, yes. Font itself, underline straight through. None of that. Don't touch it. I work with a passel of scientists and engineers who are some of the best in the field at what they do, which is really pointy-headed science, and they are unable to use styles. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's amazing. Uh second thing I would recommend is if you're if you're not using a template, then then put in tags. So um what what are tags? So tags are uh, little uh, blocks of text that you can put in next to what you're writing, next to the content that tells the, the the layout artist what format they're supposed to be in. So you know if you're if you instead of doing the styles, you would put in like you know next to brackets uh, for your headers like h1, h2, h3 in brackets you know at the beginning so that you know the uh, the layout artist knows, okay, this is supposed to be a header. This is supposed to be this type of header. So and kind then of, kind of like HTML coding. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Very much like it. Uh, except for, you know, you don't, you don't have to use the, the slashes necessarily. You know, if you want something in italics, just put a bracket I in between the two things that you want to make italic. Oh and man. All that MySpace formatting is coming in so handy right now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's where okay, that's where my generation learned to have it code in HTML. I'm not arguing. <laughs> I'm, I'm from the the you know IRC chat days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a little younger than the two of you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I knew how to do it before then, but like that's when the rest of my friends finally figured out what coding was, and I was so proud of them all. <laughs> I was like, the baby's grown up. Thank you. Thank you. Good job, everyone. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, MySpace. The one thing you got that was helpful. Oh. So yeah. is there any particular online training or online classes that you would recommend to somebody who's interested in layout? So is there in layout in general? If you're using Well, I mean, obviously for game products. But... Yeah. Well, I well for, for game products, if you're if you're using uh, if you're using InDesign then actually on DMs Guild, there is a pretty awesome template uh, that they, uh, that's, that's available that you can download. Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it's called, but I, I saw it go up and I looked at it. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I was thinking about doing it, you know, something like this myself. And it, it provides you with an InDesign template with all the 5e stuff and all the stuff that you need that kind of explains, you know, uh, just the, the basics on how everything works to, you know, to put everything together. And, uh, so long as you follow that, you could probably put together a pretty consistent uh, uh, 5e product. Uh, for layout in general, uh, again, you like you know, I'm, I'm only I'm, I'm going to recommend to not use Word. Just don't do it. 
it's 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 more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> there are a couple of templates um, listed up on the guild. There's one adventure template for indes. They all have InDesign in it, so just search that word. But um, one for free. That's just the basic thing, and then there's another one that's still pretty cheap. It's a gold bestseller, so obviously it's got some good tips and tricks in it. Um, I haven't bought it somehow, so I'm gonna do that now. Oh, well, you, you know, you you could just you know, you personally, you could just ask me whatever. <laughs> I mean, I know, but I'm gonna support this person who's providing education to the rest of those people out there. Yeah, that's always a good thing. Adobe's videos on on how to use the software is actually surprisingly good. They're they're surprisingly good. They're, they they uh, put together a lot of just as long as you can get a grasp of the basics. You watch any of those training videos and you'll learn a lot just right off the bat and they're free. Just go and click on the links and, and you're good to go. So what are some of the game products you've written or worked on? It's my understanding you have a really diverse portfolio. Uh, yeah. As, as far as writing is concerned, uh, probably the, you know, for official work, I've aside from 5e, and AL, uh, I've worked on some stuff for uh, some 3.5 uh, stuff for uh, Lewis Porter Jr., uh, LPJ Design. And I've also done the, uh, the Expanse RPG. I wrote the, uh, the game mastering and the threat section for that book. And the and Expanse RPG, it, it just came out or it's fixing to come out? Uh, no, the Expanse RPG is out. Uh, the Expanse RPG came out um, uh, last year. It's it's actually really cool. It it uses the uh, it's it's by Green Ronin and uh, they it uses the age system like a, a fantasy age and Dragon Age. And that was uh, that was a lot of fun because I I love that series. The Expanse is awesome. Oh, definitely. I have really enjoyed it. So I haven't gotten far enough in the books, but I've gotten far enough in the books to where I've, I'm still a little bit past the show. <laughs> but yeah, usually if, if I, if I get to write for something, it, it's, you know, it's definitely going to be something that, that I enjoy working on. Uh, I've written a lot of unofficial stuff, but officially uh, those are the outside of D and D things that I worked on um, for, for D and D I actually started with uh Envolo's Wake, I think was my first like big uh D D adventure uh or adventure series that I wrote with uh Sean Merwin and Monica Valentinelli. Both of them super awesome. Which part of that did you write? I wrote the last two. Uh the one with the uh the the Mind Flare, the, the like Mind Flare Nautiloid that was crashed in the mountains, even though we did not use the word Nautiloid at all because <laughs> <laughs> it was just definitely definitely not not a lloyd just yeah a, just definitely a, not not a lloyd just from ship whatever just, yeah it's the you know alien so the last two all right all right and uh yeah <laughs> that's what i thought that was my guess you wrote the one with the weird ship yep i wrote the one with the weird ship yeah uh, uh what did i write next um uh city on the edge that was a uh, 7-1 for al uh i got to write and uh let's see uh i wrote uh nine one and any 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 so you wrote the intro mods for both season seven and season nine Correct. of adventures league yep that's a big responsibility 
Yeah, well, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Merwin big, didn't want to do it. It's a big shoe to fill because it's Merwin. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and it was it was uh, it was kind of funny when I wrote seven one. It was it was pretty entertaining because nobody knew who the hell I was, and you know, I, I go on the AL forums and they're you know already like you know tearing apart the you know like uh, like all the all the different you know, events in the adventure and, and they're, you know, and like somebody, somebody stops in the middle and makes a comment and goes, and goes, Hey, who's Rich Lescaflair? <laughs> Cause everybody assumes that it's Sean Merwin that wrote this. And uh, they're like, Oh yeah. You know, Merwin's name is not in here. It's Rich Lescaflair. And like, it's, it's almost, it's almost like everybody took a pause. Like the conversation stopped. <laughs> just like shrugging i don't know and then you've written i mean aside from us making you do all the layout you've written some stuff with the gilded apps too yep uh i have uh wrote a lot of things actually uh, uh yeah i know <laughs> do you want me to go down that list too <laughs> you can list whatever you want whatever whatever you're whatever you're proud of uh well i'm, I'm proud of all of them like we we did we did great stuff uh, All right then, start the list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we well, will I, we will link to your yeah. uh, DM skilled page if everybody's interested yeah, in your complete bibli- bibliography. I guess. Yeah. Aside from what what did you like? All of the encounters books and Adventure Atlas and Lost City of Mesro and uh, Xanathar's, which was yeah, that was a project. <laughs> and yep, that that was the quick list. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, so one product that keeps getting mentioned is Esper Genesis. Why don't you kind of explain exactly what Esper Genesis is? So Esper Genesis is uh, the, or, or, you know, what, what, we're, what we uh, are, are creating is uh, the heroic sci-fi game powered by 5th edition. Fifth edition uh, in space. Fifth edition in space. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh what we did was we uh created it, it originally started out actually just just as as you know, cuz I love sci-fi. Uh since I was a kid, you know, and and uh aside from aside from D&D, you know, Shadowrun and Star Wars were my other two uh, you know, beginning and favorite RPGs ever. So I'm like I can need to get you know some of the sci-fi into D and D, so I started creating a whole bunch of uh, different uh, sorts of uh, types of gear and weapons and armor, and I showed them to my to my uh, my friend Eric, and you know he kind of looked and he's like, "That's pretty cool. What are you gonna do with all this?" <laughs> and I looked at it and I said, "Well, yeah, I guess I need to like make a place for this stuff to be used." So uh, I put together like a, a little brief setting, and I said, "Well, the setting needs." Uh, more stuff. Deciding needs more sci-fi stuff. So uh, I created alien species for it. And I'm like, these alien species need to do something that are not, you know, that's not the stuff. So I created classes and it just kind of grew from there. And uh, eventually we got to the point where, you know, I was putting all this stuff together and I'm like, I need to make this into a game. It needs to be its own thing. Uh, but it, it also, it needs to be, it needs to take the love of sci-fi and the love of 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 D and D and combine the two without making it D and D. That was that was kind of the goal. So uh, we had 
uh, bounced around some ideas, and then I, I, I basically got, you know, word out. Yes, I use word for this. <laughs> and, uh, and, started, and started writing out uh, using the, the 5e SRD, uh, a sci-fi game. So that you can pick it up and play a sci-fi uh, campaign in its own galaxy with its own species and its own classes and its own gear and rules and everything without ever having picked up a player's handbook. And still, you know, and, you know, if you did pick up a player's handbook, you know, all the better for you. And we also wanted to make it to the point where we can just combine the two and say, hey, you want to bring your D&D stuff into Espergenesis or your Fantasy 5e or your whatever 5e or Steampunk or Cyberpunk 5e or whatever and toss it into this galaxy. You can do that and it'll work. It's uh, quite possible. Paige and I recently played in a game where we got, um, we got your Espergenesis all up in some 5e <laughs> and vice yep. versa. Um, but yeah, no, this book, uh, I'm looking at it now, have it, love it, um, don't get to use it as often as I want to, but it has some really great stuff. The artwork in it, I, uh, I absolutely love, you, you guys put a lot of, you know, love and attention into that, and the, the races, like you said, they're all very unique from everything else. Um, my favorite is the, the Valna, because it's a space kitty. <laughs> it's a little it's got it's a little armor and it's a little like wolverine claws because uh what what is more terrifying than a normal cat a cat that has learned to use technology yep <laughs> Paige, a cat your, with thumbs yeah it doesn't it, there are no thumbs there's it's still one of their one of their it's, it's just an opposable paw okay or digit it's not really a thumb i don't know Paige, what's your favorite espergenesis race I like the Alori. I think they're interesting. They have kind of a tragic backstory and they're blue. Like <laughs> what's not to love? The blueness of them really reminds me of Mass Effect. So I'm a big fan of that as well. Um, actually like a lot of the stuff in here reminds me of Mass Effect too, which I mean, that's not a bad thing because like when I think of kind of epic sci-fi stories, it's like one of the first games I go to in my mind. So so is mine, which is which is why it looks like that actually. Uh yeah, it's Oh weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Aspergenesis is pretty much my favorite sci-fi everything mashed together into uh a campaign world. That's 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 basically it. So Mass really? Effect, uh yeah, Mass Effect uh was a very big uh influencer on the look of of everything. Um, yeah, yep, I could see that. Yeah, you know that that was like, oh my god, um, you know, it's 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 Star Wars for for PC gaming. That's you know. So how how, you, how uh, did you mash Star Wars in there? Uh, so Star Wars, I had actually um, put together uh, a, a bunch of things. So uh, Mass Effect is one. Star Wars is another. Uh, you know, it, of course, it's from you know a whole bunch of different types of 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 media. So, uh, uh, Firefly is, is another thing. And, uh, uh, everybody pour out a little for, for Firefly. Yep. <laughs> it lives yep. forever in all of us. Uh, Ghost in the Shell for my, you know, for, for my anime vibe. And, uh, and, uh, and Fantasy Star. I love Fantasy Star. Uh, but is Fantasy Star? 
Oh, you never played? Okay, so Fantasy Star, not Fantasy Star Online, Fantasy Star was a game series for Sega. I was a Sega kid uh, that came out in 88, and it had four games, and it was based in, like, this little, you know, pocket galaxy where all of this, you know, stuff happened with this, uh, with this looming, like, you know, dark force in the background manipulating everything, and it was... It was probably one of my, my you know, one of my favorite video game storylines. And so a lot of the <laughs> a lot of people that played Fantasy Star can read like, you know, they can probably pick out some of the events that happen, you know, in, in the galaxy along with some of the along with, you know, some of the stuff in the backstory of the races and go, Ooh, I can see where that came from. And uh Star Wars is is very much uh the the combat. Uh, the combat and the uh, on both the ground and in ships in particular uh, have a lot of of like Star Wars and Firefly just sort of meshed in. You know, I I, I uh, watched um, Star Wars. Actually, it's it's probably more Star Wars than Battlestar Galactica. You know, where uh, new Battlestar or old Battlestar? No, new Battlestar. Okay, okay, excellent show. Old Battlestar was really just Star Wars. <laughs> it, it, was. it was. You're not wrong, though. You're not wrong. That didn't make it bad. <laughs> yeah, this video was bad, you know, but it was, it was just, yeah, basically Star Wars. No, no, new, new Battlestar where, uh, so I, I, I like the, I like the, the fast paced, you know, heroics that go into, uh, into Star Wars action. And, uh, at the same time, the, the sort of, uh, the sort of tech, or, or I, I, guess, I guess you could say the, the, the pseudoscience that went into like the ships in Battlestar Galactica, I like that too. Like, like the, or, the, or the expanse. Yeah, or the expanse. Exactly. The, the whole concept of being able to like you know instantly maneuver, uh, you know, in space and using, um, you know, like uh, like like physical rounds instead of laser beams and, and stuff like that. You know, I, I I wanted to incorporate that into like Star Wars space fighting action. So. That's where a lot of the Starship combat comes from. Interesting. That is pretty cool. And you've got, um, so you've got a, what books do you have out for it thus far? Uh, we have the core manual, which is uh, essentially your player's handbook. Uh, we have, we, 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 we decided to do it the, the same way that the, uh, that D&D had, had released the books, uh, with the exception of the last one. Which, uh, which is what we're still working on right now. So the core manual gives you um, character races, character classes, uh, you know, feats, gear, all the stuff that you would expect to, you know, to create a character, your esper powers, um, you know, how they, how they function. It works, you know, your, I, I guess, uh, you know, for, for people that play, you know, 5e, your casting system in, in, in this respect, it works a little bit differently than it would uh, in D&D. And uh, also, we also have a, a chapter in the core manual on the galaxy setting itself, uh, just to provide you like a, a base setting and a map of the galaxy that you can play in, and also the starship combat rules, which obviously don't exist <laughs> in D&D. Um, <clears throat> uh, the second book is the Threats Database, which is your, uh, it's your monster manual uh, taken to... Uh, taken with a sci-fi twist, so we, you know, we have, uh, we have your your standard uh, bestiary of of alien baddies, and we, you know, we borrowed 
a lot of themes from every form of sci-fi that we could think of. So there's, you know, uh, just so you can create whatever scenario. Uh, so there's, so there's, there's, there's robots and there's, you know, uh, software AI. And at the same time you have kind of like a, uh, you know, the peacekeepers from Farscape and, you know, in that respect, and you have, uh, this, this, uh, group of, I guess, uh, you know, clandestine, uh, overlords called the shadow technocracy they're that are trying to uh, take over and, and integrate technology into the galaxy uh, and then you know you have trans-dimensional uh, you know beings that uh, that swallow your soul and <laughs> so <laughs> all, all, all when you of... were working on the threats database mm -hmm. what kind of math did you use to create the monsters that's a subject I'm really interested in because the instructions in the DMG for how to make a monster, I do not feel like are appropriate for 5e. And I feel uh, like Volo and Warden Kanan's use a completely different mathematical expression to create they, monsters. They do, but they... Okay, so... Uh, when I was creating... Uh, it's my understanding that the DMG is more like of the rule of cool rather than a hard and solid mathematical. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. So, okay. So the, so the trick to using the, the, the creation guide that they give you in five E uh, there's, there's two steps that I did. One, I actually took, took that chart and, uh, and basically took the average of everything that was there. <laughs> so what those tables assume when you're putting together a stat block is that you are going to have your highs and lows for every stat block that you create. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just, you know, take, take like the, you know, you want to make something cool. So you take the upper level of everything and obviously your, you know, your, your CR is going to be way off. Uh, and you, you really just kind of want to uh, take a stat block that's already existing in uh, the monster manual, or you know, or in, or in this case, you know, the 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 SRD. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the stat blocks that I used for threats database. Um, some of those came out of the SRD. Others are unique. The unique ones were made using uh, a the tables that were in the book, and b I kind of took you know an existing stat block, compared it to the tables that were there, and sort of just tweaked and made variations and calculated a, a, a CR from there. You really need both. You can't, you know, um, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of work to do it just from the tables that are in the DMG. Uh, it's easiest to do it if you're working off of a base stat box that already exists. Hmm. Interesting. I have a personal project where I'm trying to back out the math that was used in Volos and Morgan Canaan's, which is kind of like tilting at windmills. But I really, <laughs> I really am fascinated by the way that we say this, this hunk of numbers is this CRX and this CRX is appropriate for this party makeup Y. Yeah, some, somebody, uh, I, somebody went and broke down uh, the, the 5E stat blocks into, into decimals. Like, you know, this times this, this CR did this. And I was like, this is great. I'm going to use this when I put together the threats database. And I totally lost that page and I could never find it again. <laughs> I, said, well, I, guess I was about to say, I would 
<laughs> I would pay money for that. I am I am mathematically aroused at the moment. So yeah, if I can track it down again, I will definitely direct you to it. Uh, so the the threats database has that uh, because of of the way that we did that. Uh, I was also able to create something, uh, you know, in, on the back end for. Uh, obviously, you have your NPCs, but we also have uh, the creatures, and you can't just have Earth-type creatures because you're able to explore any planet anywhere. So we, uh, what we did was we took uh, Earth creature stat blocks and put them in the book, and said, "Hey, you know," and, and gave you uh, customization tables that you can use to customize those creatures, you know, to give them like, you know, wings or claws or, you know, uh, different sorts of elements that would make them seem more alien. And then we had base stat blocks, uh, which, you know, I also recommend you looking at uh, if, if you want uh, in there, it's like a base half, uh, base uh, one half, CR one half, CR one quarter, and a CR one. And you can take the, uh, the tables and just fill the stat block itself, fill the base stat block, and then you just have a creature. Interesting. So you're giving DMs the power to kind of make their own creepy crawlies. Yeah. Be- well, because if you're, you know, obviously the you know the bigger stat blocks you take what's out of the book, but if you're if you're going to run into with with a, with an infinite an infinite galaxy requires. Uh, an infinite number of choices. <laughs> so, you know, we, we kind of want to... That's a really good point. Yeah, we, we kind of we want the GMs to feel comfortable saying, you know, not having to uh, resort to, like, you know, using something that already exists if they're making their own world. You know, we, we, want, we wanted the game to be uh, vast to the point of you can run your entire campaign in this one star system that isn't even on the map and not even have to use the astrogenesis setting and you can still make whatever you want. That uh, is pretty fascinating. I have not looked at the threats database, but I will have to do so. So yeah, did we, you, did you sorry. put these things together as kickstarters or? Uh, we only kickstarted, well, we kickstarted the entire game uh, in uh, 20, in, April 2017. Wow, has it been that long now? No, 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 2018. 2018. <laughs> uh, 2018 doesn't we, sound right. When we, when we had put together the game, we had uh, we were expecting to get a uh, you know a decent uh, funding uh, funding goal. Uh, you know, to put together like you know like a like a trio of you know soft cover books uh, to put out. And what it had turned into was after we had gotten some of the art back, uh, I had met this, I, I met this guy, uh, Santi Casas from Spain, and he's absolutely amazing. Uh, he, the, a, a, a friend of, a friend of mine. actually, it was uh, Luis Porter Jr., I think. No, 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 it was um, uh, Henry Lopez, who uh, writes uh, the Arcanus huh. RPG. Um, you know, he, he referred me to, uh, to Santi and I, you know, I sent him just kind of like a concept and I said, Hey, you know, can you make something that looks like this? And in like two days he came back with like four different sketches and he's like, yeah, what do you think about this? And I looked at it and I was like, okay, we're going to make the whole game look pretty much like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's good. Wow, so it was dead on what you wanted. Yeah, it was dead on what I wanted. He was really, you know, he was really excited. He didn't really do like too much sci-fi stuff before. So he just kind of like, you know, got right into it and said, hey, and he started throwing extra ideas. And, you know, he, you know, he and I just meshed so well that the look of the game really just came from just conversations between uh, between he and I. And, you know, we, we, had, we had gotten other artists and, and kind of like, you know, started using Santi's work as like a base. Hey, you know, this is kind of what it looks like. You know, can you, know, can you, uh, can you make something like this? And when we started putting the art together and we had, uh, and we had ended up with so much content, uh, we put out this soft cover for free um, well, actually, we, we we put out a PDF, like a basic rules, and then we had uh, printed it into like a, a you know a, a soft cover, like a limited soft cover. Uh, I think I, I think I think the day I met Jenny, I gave her one. <laughs> you did, and yeah. then and then I'm um, actually it was Origins 2018 when you gave me the actual hardcover of the book itself. Hardcover of the Corvair, yeah. So so, so I think have, you. Kickstarted in 2017. I think you were right. Yeah, it was 2017. Okay, I was right. Wow, it's, it's been that long. Uh, so we we had so much content, we had so much art, and we had so much stuff, and then we had you know all of our playtesters were getting into it. And everybody got really excited about it, and we put the core together, and we ended up with you know like a 300 page book. <laughs> so so uh, you know we we had we had put that together as the hardcover. And then we said, okay, well, you know, now we're going to do the other two separately as hardcovers. Uh, that, that, was, that was one of the stretch goals on the Kickstarter. Anyway, if we, if we, if we had reached a certain point, we we're going to make them hardcover books. We, didn't, we just didn't expect them to be as big as they ended up being. Uh, so, you know, Because of your popularity of your kick, Kickstarter. Uh, no, no, actually it was, it was really just more art and content than everything else. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, because I he writes the, too many words. Yeah, I, I guess. I, he I writes know. too many words. I've, I've, I've looked at your stuff. I, I write, I, you, I, you, you write too many words. Paige puts too many handouts. <laughs> and I put just enough handouts in there. I'll have you know. And uh, I'm, I'm better at it now, but I used to do too many sidebars. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not, gonna... <laughs> not since Travis handed it back to me. And... Mm. Okay. First of all, um, I, I'm going to sidebar on this one. Travis breaks every one of his own rules. I'm just going to say that. I know. <laughs> we, we all know. Yeah, we know, Travis. We know. <laughs> Everybody knows. I got one invented recently. I'm like, this is everything you told me not to do. <laughs> But less box text. Get his eighteen things of box text. This is not less box text. So oh, Travis, so silly. Yep. yep. Staying on subject, I guess. <laughs> uh yeah. The, the the third book we're coming out with. I'm I'm sorry. Like I'm I'm being. Uh, see, I'm using too many words. Uh, the third book we're coming out with is the Master Technician's Guide. Uh, everyone calls it the DMG. It's not exactly uh, that. It's it's going to be a little different because DMG really tells you how to run uh, a game in D and D, uh, and you know we're we're kind of taking a, a a bent on it and telling you how to run a game in any sci-fi setting. So 
Uh, we have a lot of um, a lot of gear customization, uh, how to build your own starship, um, what the different you know how the how the matrix works and like the different dimensions, and and uh, and we also wanted to give like a a toolkit on building for different genres. So cyberpunk, steampunk, you know, um, sci horror. Uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, uh, something like that. So that way uh, you can cover all aspects of sci- sci-fi. Is, is uh, to me, like the, the different types of sci-fi are far more diverse than the types of fantasy that there are. So Agreed. We wanted to give uh, a little bit to, to the GMs so that they can kind of just, you know, know like a little bit of a launch pad if they wanted to build their own uh, setting using the EG rules. Uh, and I think that's it. <laughs> okay, well, um, I mean, other than the continuation of Espergenesis and more Crucible, of course, what else do you have going on in your future? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I, I forgot that. Actually, we should talk about Crucible Core first. Yep. Oh, yeah, I totally. Uh, I forgot to mention Crucible Core. Crucible Core is the organized play for Espergenesis. It is, uh, you know... So for our our listeners who don't know what organized play is, if you would please give them a little background. Uh, Organized play, uh, for those that are are not familiar or not familiar with uh, D&D Adventures League, is it is a... um, basically a a system of... or, or should I say a set of of pre-generated adventures and adventure paths that you can uh, build an organized play character and uh, join other uh, OP players to uh, advance and follow through in, uh, you know, in, I I guess you could say uh, a a storyline as, you know, each, uh, each, each organized play event has is, is broken down into events or seasons and your organized play character using the OP system uh, advances alongside everyone else. I'm, I'm not doing a very good job describing this. <laughs> this is why I'm not OP management. <laughs> Paige, you want to help me out here? <laughs> so uh, organized play is where you have a common set of build guidelines that are kind of no nonsense. They're pretty, pretty easy for everybody to grab onto. And then everybody plays a common set of adventures. And what this does, it means that you could play a table at your friend's house and then play that exact same character at the convention and then play that exact same character on an online game. Normally you can't switch from uh, DM to DM to DM but with an organized play system, you absolutely can. Unfortunately, due to interruptions, we didn't get to end this episode with Rich at a good point, so I just wanted to pop in to let you know where you could find him on social media. You can find him on Twitter at Skydawn, that's S-K-Y-D-A-W-N and the number one. You can find his work on his website, espergenesis.com, or at alligatoralleyentertainment.com. You can also find him on Instagram at skydawnnight. That's night with a K. As always, you can find Paige on Twitter 
at Paige Lightman, P-A-I-G-E-L-E-I-T-M-A-N. You can find her on Facebook under the same name. You can also find her on our website, benandpagewrite.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jenny Loveday, G-I-N-N-Y-L-O-V-E-D-A-Y. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch under the same. And you can always find me on my website, JennyLoveday.com. You can find The Roundtable on Twitter, DND Roundtable, Facebook under the same. And you can always send us an email if you have a topic you want to talk about or any feedback for us, dndroundtable at gmail.com. Please like us on Facebook, leave a review on Facebook, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. We appreciate your support and feedback, and thanks for tuning in. Until next time.